This is Tom Hoagie, and you're listening to the Tour Junkies Podcast. What's going on, golf addicts? This is a Tom Hoagie interview like you've never heard. Tom's been on a couple of shows. We did our very best to ask him some questions that he has not answered before publicly. He was a good time. We had a great time. He's a known gambler on the PGA Tour. We had a lot of fun gambling talk, including... You know, his strategy for casinos, carrying a wad of casino cash in a golf bag during a tournament, how Tom would actually go about handicapping a golf tournament. And at the very end, we actually do some little, uh, we do an over-under season win totals on some college football between the Big 12 and the SEC, something Tom loves to do. Also discussed him getting triggered on the driving range, courses he thinks he can win on, courses he hates, dealing with Liv, an offer from Liv, and how everybody can come out winners with the live and the pga tour stuff tom's a great guy enjoy the interview rate and review the podcast if you haven't already please do that drop us a five-star review that's the best thing you can do alongside telling somebody about the show telling somebody about the podcast we always appreciate that tom was gracious with this time without further ado let's get to tom hoagie all right really excited to welcome tom in you know tcu horned frog he's a 2022 pro-am pebble beach pro-am champion um, and a, apparently goes by straight shot with a complaint. Does that ring a bell there, Tom? <laughs> what is that about? Oh, that's Scotty Ham's favorite thing. Uh, yeah, we've uh, he spent a lot of time with me on the range, and uh, generally speaking, on the range, I get a little uh, triggered at times when uh, some shots go offline. So <laughs> uh, I guess I just have high expectations for every shot, and um, you know. Scott loves to stand behind me on the range and watch me hit a bunch of shots. And I always look back for him to say something to me. And he just starts laughing at me half the time because he's got nothing for me. Just keep on, keep on firing. But um, yeah, I guess that's a good one to have because generally the shots are going pretty straight, but um, you know, lately it's been pretty good. It's been working out for you pretty good. Scott Hamilton, <laughs> uh, Tom's coach, friend of ours. He's been on this podcast a long time ago. We're going to get more about Scott Hamilton here in a second. So he also has called you. This is what he told us today. And, and you know, full disclaimer, he was, he was drunk on a boat today texting us. But he, uh, he said, Tom is the greatest practicer ever. And, you know, so it sounds like you're like the, ta- the Tiger Woods of practice. Is, would you agree? You grinder? I'd be curious what he knows by that. No, I think, I think where he would be going with that is just that um, I get a lot out of what I would do and I'm not there the longest time or anything, but pretty efficient and kind of going back to that straight shot with the complaint that, you know, if I'm going to hit a golf ball, I'm there to hit it well. And I expect a lot out of myself. I'm not just way out there wasting time. You see a lot of guys kind of walking up down the range talking and whatnot, but I'm there to work and get something out of it. So I think that that's what Scott would go with. And more than anything, I just expect a lot out of myself and, um, yeah. Well, so, you know, obviously listeners that are, that are here, uh, maybe, you know, out there grinding on the range, I'm kind of a range rat myself. I don't know, like give, give like a, your best advice to a, you know, mid to, you know, mid to low handicapper out on the range. Like, what do you think's the number one issue that you think people have with practice? Maybe the people can walk away early in the interview with a little, you know, a tip to help their own game from you. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I mean, a lot of what I do comes down to fundamentals. So alignment, uh, setup sort of stuff, very easy stuff to work on. Um, and I guess when I'm practicing, I like to get some feedback, you know, so I'll have an alignment stick down for alignment. Um, 
and I'll put a stick out usually just on the right side of my target line as well. So I've got to start the ball left. I generally like to hit little fades, if anything. So I've got to keep it started left of the stick and hit a straight shot or a little fade. And, um, you know, when I'm putting that, I like to use tees as kind of a, a gate to put the ball through or tees work on my stroke. So I just like to have uh, some great feedback and very tight parameters. So I've got to hit really good shots as I'm doing that. And I think that, um, you know, the, the tougher you can make practice that then you go on the golf course and things seems a little bit easier. And that's my general philosophy. I would say towards my practice. So what are some things that you and Scott have been working on, like maybe this year or lately? Um, and I, I would, I would like to, I'd be curious to know if you are one of those players that over the last couple of years have tried to go down like the added distance rabbit hole that, that I guess Bryson sparked on uh, not too long ago. What, what talk to us about some of that? Yeah. So I would say, you know, I, I started working with Scott. That would have been like 2018. Um, and since then, all my stuff's pretty much the same. I mean, I generally get a little bit too far in front of the ball in my backswing. So I don't really move into my right side that much. So I always kind of got to watch that because then I get steep from there. Um, my backswing gets a little bit long. So for me, it's really, you know, kind of move into the right side on the takeaway and then just keep the backswing short. And a lot of it works off of that and um, kind of just the tempo of the backswing, just slowing it down. Um, so it's been nice because we've kept things very simple. And that's where Scott's been great for me is he's kept things simple. He's right to the point. And we really don't deviate from that. Um, I've get off a little bit. And it seems like we always go back to those same things to kind of get me back on track. Um, and I guess with the distance stuff, you know, middle of last summer, I wasn't playing very well at all. I was probably... 112, 113 club head speed. If I got to 170 ball speed, it was pretty good for me. Um, then I switched from the Titleist, I think it was the TSI 2 to the 3 head, um, and got a few more miles an hour of speed. And then kind of towards the fall, I started playing a little better. And I was getting, you know, 114, 115 pretty easily. Just, just so happened one day I was with Scott in Cartersville hitting out of his bay, and I was, and I started to chase the speed a little bit. And, um, I think I got to like 118 or 119 club head speed. And that was the fastest I'd ever been. And since then, you know, I've I've worked on a little bit in the range with track, man, that sort of stuff, trying to get a little bit more distance. And not like I need to go out and gain 20, 30 yards, but I think this year, if I looked at my stats, I'm probably up seven or eight yards. So it's not a huge difference, but over the course of a season, um, you know, those little small edges can add up. So I think it has played a little bit of a role um, and a little bit better play for me. But I would like to say I found a little bit another gear, I would say. You know, I, I've got to 120 club head speed now, 180 ball speed occasionally. So I've progressed up a little bit. Um, it hasn't been a huge jump like Bryson would have. But, you know, if you can you can find an edge anywhere possible, it's a, it's a big deal. And um, I guess I, I, would, I would say I found the speed by being a little more efficient in my golf swing versus doing anything real crazy, some of the speed drinks and that sort of stuff. So any, any good Scott Hamilton stories? I mean, he's such a character. He's so funny. Like, do you, do you have a, a funny, like your funniest Scott Hamilton moment? Hmm. I'm trying to think. It's a tough one. Um, well, he can't roll dice for shit because I've brought him to a few casinos with me and uh, <laughs> tried to get him to roll for me, and it's always .7 and cost me a bunch of money. So he's out on the dice table. Um, 
I don't know. I guess the funniest I would say, you know, I go I go and stay with them when I visit them in Cartersville and get some work done. And uh, they've adopted a few uh, daughters. And he's funny parenting. You know, he's right to the point, just like his golf. He'll just say, hey, Maddie, quit being a dick. <laughs> like, I, that's a new way of parenting, I guess. But I guess it suits you well here, Scott. <laughs> oh, God, he's so funny. Um, Scott's a trip. And uh, we, we need to have him back on the show here pretty soon. You got, I'm sure you guys have yeah, a lot of fun sure. together. All right, I want to talk a little golf stuff, and then I want to get to some of the more fun stuff. So yep. currently sitting at 12th in the President's Cup standings, I know you've talked about this a little bit with a shot at, uh, at playing in, you know, at, in your first President's Cup, right? Is, is that something that, you know, sometimes when, like, a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of the time what we do on the Tour Junkie show is we're handicapping golf tournaments every week from DFS, from betting, all that yep. stuff. And we look at things like this time of year, for example, is that time of year where, you know, guys on the, on the fringe of a FedEx Cup bubble uh, on the standings or, you know, looking down the road a little bit, guys battling on the bubble for the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup, whatever that may be. Is, you know, and we'll say, like, well, this is obviously, like, extra motivation, right? This is added motivation, add, maybe added pressure this time of year if you've only got one or two more events to get it done. Is that something that you agree with? Because, like, we, we have some people that would say, you know, guys, these, these guys are going to give it their best every single week. Like, this shouldn't matter or, or this isn't any different. But I got to feel like if you, know, if you know time's running out, whether it's FedEx Cup standings or President's Cup or Ryder Cup, is that something that is in the back of your mind a little bit more? And, and obviously, it could be personal too, right? It could be one thing for you and something different for somebody else. Like, talk, talk to me about that, uh, being on the bubbles of things like that as you are on the President's Cup right now. We'll get right back to Tom's answer here in just a moment. I do want to thank our friends at Front Nine Coffee for presenting this podcast. It's a local coffee company that started right here in our own backyard of Augusta, Georgia. Small business owners that love coffee, that love golf, and that wanted to support the Tour Junkies podcast. They even gave us our own coffee. Me and Pat with our own coffee flavors profiles they let us pick out. We named them. We branded them. You can purchase those now on FrontNineCoffee.com. That's front, the number nine, coffee.com. When you order it, they're going to roast it after you order. So you're going to get a fresh batch of freshly roasted coffee, customized and delivered to your house anywhere in the U.S. or Canada within just a couple of days. And you can get the, you know, the, the DB's large bucket of nuts, hazelnut blend, or you can get possibly Pat's Espresso Milano. It's got a pretty bold punch to it, his bump and run flavor. You can check that out on front9coffee.com, but consider supporting them. They're supporting us for the long haul. They're supporting us in our golf tournament in September, and they're just good people and great coffee. So thanks to front9coffee.com. Check them out and use promo code TJ10 when you do to save 10% off your entire order. All right, let's get back to Tom Hoagie. Yeah, I mean, so I think that, I mean, a couple thoughts, I guess. I mean, I think it's one of those deals as a professional golfer there's always some sort of a bubble you're on, right? Whether it's yeah. keeping your card on tour, um, trying to make that second, you know, top 70 in the FedEx Cup list, trying to make it to East Lake, trying to get in the top 50 in the world. Um, now for me, trying to make a President's Cup or Ryder Cup team. I mean, it just seems like wherever you're at, there's always something that you're always chasing for. So you kind of get used to it and you just know you got to go out and play well. It's the answer at the end of the day. Um, but it is a unique situation for me, and I guess, I guess I look at it more from a scheduling standpoint. That um, I was planning to take a couple of weeks off here the whole year, um, right before the playoffs are starting. Um, and last week at, at 3 a.m., you know, 
we started getting a few messages from Davis Love, some different stuff to do for the President's Cup team, being on the bubble. And that really got us thinking about a lot more and kind of what do I need to do to make the team. Um, like I said, the easy answer is play well, but you know, kind of the dilemma that I'm in right now is am I better off resting here and get ready for the FedEx Cup stretch for three weeks, or should I be going to play Detroit and Wyndham trying to play well and trying to get more points on the board and you know move up the move up the ranks there? But you know, for me it doesn't do me any good to go to Wyndham and finish 30th place. You know, I've got to go out and play well wherever I tee it up. So I've got to be ready to go. So I'm kind of taking it day by day really right now and trying to figure out where my body's at and what I need to do. And um, ultimately I'll probably end up playing, but um, it is, you know, and, and like I said, everywhere you're at, you know, whether guys are chasing top 200 on the PGA tour FedEx, try to get to the Cornbury finals, you know, 126 to 150. I mean, there's just, everybody's in a little bit different spot. I guess for me, it's a little bit easier because, you know, I've got a job locked up for the next few years, so I'm in good shape there, but um, you're always pushing the next level. I mean, I'd imagine the, I I guess I'd imagine like the pressure of the 125 number and the FedEx cup standings that's happening right now for a lot of guys is probably a little more intense because it's obviously has a lot to do with your job and what you're going to be doing next year. And you're a guy who's like grinded, right? I mean, you've been on tour for quite a while. You got your first win this year. You're, you're like you've you've grinded to stay on tour. You've been back and forth from from Corn Ferry Tour and back. Like, so what does it mean? So would you agree with that? Like that that the guys this time of year are really looking at that, and and that's that's the real pressure, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you you saw it a little bit last week um, at 3 a.m. You know, I was in a little bit different position being that my cards locked up um, with a few other guys. And there were some guys in contention that, you know, were outside the top 125 kind of looking in. And I felt like certainly going to the weekend that I was freed up a lot more to just go out and play golf. And, um, you know, those guys really had a lot on the line. And that's kind of how it is this time of the year. You know, this is my eighth year on tour. I've gone ahead to go back to the Corn Ferry Finals, I think, three or four times to get my card back. And, you know, that's really the most pressure at the end of the year. I, I, one year I had to make a 15-footer in the last hole to get my card back. So, you know, it doesn't get any more pressure than that. And then when you when you do get into contention, it's just a, it's a little bit different deal as far as trying to play well and win a tournament versus trying to, yeah. you know, some guys will have to finish 30th or 40th place at Wyndham in order to keep their card. And yeah. that's a totally different stress because it's, it's almost like you're switching your mentality of how you play golf more than you've always done for your whole life. But um yeah, you know, I've had I've had the conversation with college coaches and high school coaches that, you know, with whole qualifying that situation, it's like, well, if you want to be a professional golfer, you're always dealing with this as far as what number that you're trying to get to next. And um yeah. You just gotta deal with that pressure. All right. So talk talk about your play a little bit. As I said, we're always trying to handicap this stuff, right? And and picking golfers is hard as hell. Like, you know, Yep. I, I, you've got the T, you've got a weird mascot, right? The TCU Horn Frogs. We have a blind squirrel <laughs> looking for a nut. That's the game of golf. That's <laughs> as gambling. That's the whole thing, right? Love it. Talk to me about this, dude. Because and now last on last week's show, I, I think I said something. I think I did. I on one of the pieces of content we did last week, I said, "Man, I got a feeling about Hoagie." Like I think you're like a hundred to one or something, which I just thought was kind of way too long. And I, I said, I said I had a feeling, but I still couldn't pull the trigger. But you, you're a not, you, you finish ninth at the PGA Championship, okay? Then you have six straight missed cuts. And then you mm-hmm. finish fourth last week. Like, so from a handicapping perspective, 
guys, you know, when you have a stint like that, it's so hard, right? Because I see like, dang, you finished top 10 in a major. And then right after that, like sucked for a little bit, right? Or, you yeah. know, relatively, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, boom, like it doesn't go from six missed cuts to a made cut and then like a top 40, but it just goes to boom. Like talk to me yeah. about, about that for you and maybe that stretch in particular, like what happened? I wish I had an answer. I mean, um, I played well at the PGA. You know, Colonial was a tough week for me. There was a lot going on being the hometown event here in yeah. Fort Worth. Um, Memorial, I missed the cut because I did some stupid stuff in the second round. I could go down the list. I wish I had a good answer. I, I really didn't play well for a few weeks in there. My iron game got a little bit off. But um, it was funny because I had a buddy who texted me at the start of last week that you know, he likes betting golf and one and one of his buddies who runs some models and stuff had me real high last week. And I was like, man, save your money. I mean, I've missed six cuts in a row. <laughs> I mean, if you're betting on me, you've got problems here this week. And I guess that kind of came out of nowhere for me a little bit last week, but <laughs> I don't know. I guess for me personally that, um, I guess I just have a hard time when I feel like stuff's a little bit off in my game to kind of fake my way around a little bit. So you know, for the U.S. Open travelers, my iron game, that's always been a strength of mine, is probably as bad as it's ever been and couldn't get it figured out. And finally, in the last week or two, that's sort of clicked again for me. So I kind of feel like I'm back on the right direction, but I certainly um, am not jealous of guys trying to bet golf because it's the craziest yeah, damn sport out here, that's for sure. Crap. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I mean, it's it's really hard. So in terms of yours, like if you look ahead now and you, you've got the ability to kind of make your schedule now being a, a PGA Tour winner this year, uh, looking ahead to next year, all that stuff, like what are your favorite courses on tour? Like what are the ones that you look at? And obviously like most of you guys all believe you can win anywhere. Um, but like what are the ones where you look at and go like that place just for whatever reason, it suits my eyes, what people say, or, um, you know, yeah. my skill set's really good. They're like what, what, it, what are those places for you? Well, I think if I looked at kind of what suits my game, I would say it's a golf course where distance isn't as important. You know, not necessarily short, but distance isn't a big deal. Guys kind of have to drive it all in the same areas. Um, and then I would say, you know, mid to short irons become pretty important on it. Um, and I've always played well at like uh, Sea Island. Um, I actually really feel like TPC Sawgrass fits my game great. Um, just because it's such a second shot golf course. But, um, you know, it is funny, like you said, because I've looked at, I played well at Torrey Pines. Um, I've played well at courses that really don't suit me well at all, but I guess that's just being out here for eight years. Uh, yeah. Eventually you're going to run into a good week at one of those places. But, you know, I think that it, it's a weird deal too, because I felt like, you know, there's some golf courses, uh, Sony and Hawaii, um, Colonial, Harbor Town, those sort of places, I feel like really suit my game well. And I think those are all my missed cuts off the start of this year before this last stretch. So some of those are head scratchers, but um, you know, I think I think for me the thing that ends up being is more recent form is more important than any of that sort of stuff and kind of how I'm feeling about my game going into it's a lot more important for me. Do you play out of Colonial at home? I did not play out there. You know, we used to practice out there when I was in the TCU golf team. Um, and I moved to a little bit different side of town here. But um, 
you know, I've always loved that golf course and, and, you know, it's such a good ball strikers golf course that I've always felt like I should play great there. Um, and other than my first year there, I really haven't played very well at all. So I can't quite figure out why, but, uh, hopefully one of these years will catch a little better form. And, you know, it's such a fun week for me being the hometown event having all the TCU people, Fort Worth people come out and, uh, hopefully I can play well here soon. So what are the courses on tour that, you know, after you win, you're like, sweet. I don't have to go there for the next like two years. <laughs> the funniest one that I can't figure out is John Deere. TBC Deere run is like the hardest golf course in the world to me. <laughs> um, I don't know what my career scoring average there, but it's probably close to 75. And it takes about 30 under par to win there every year. Yep. So I can't figure that one out. But, um, <laughs> That's, that one's a I mystery. I was not expecting that one. No, I mean. I don't know. It's funny. I guess guys would have different reasons for events that they skip. You know, for me, I was looking at it. I think that if I do play Wyndham in the playoffs, I'm going to play 33 weeks again this year, which is a crazy amount. I don't know why I keep doing that to myself, but um, I just find that every week's a great week out here. And it's hard to go sit on the couch when they're handing out a yeah. million dollars in a week to somebody. So <laughs> I just go out and play a lot. And uh, when I get tired, I try to take a little rest. But um, yeah. Do you find in those stretches, like we've talked to a lot of players over the years where, you know, it's like, where's the, where's that spot of, of like consecutive tournaments in a row where you start to like feel the fatigue or feel like you're, yeah. you're you lose your game. Is it after three weeks? Is it after four weeks, five weeks? Are you sung JM where you could just play forever? You know, where, where is that <laughs> point for you? I don't have a good answer there because I've, kind of just always done what I've had to do with regards to the schedule. You know, some, some years, um, that was probably 2019 where I didn't keep my card that year. I think I played just about every week, you know, 10 out of 11, 11 out of 12 stretches like that. And I didn't necessarily feel like I was at a disadvantage playing that many weeks in a row just because you kind of get in the routine the way you go. But I do think that, you know, as you start playing five, six weeks that you just kind of lose that little bit of an edge mentally. Um, yeah, and you're just not quite as sharp as you could be. So that gets tough, but you know, you certainly have to do it at times being a professional golfer and you better be ready for it. Um, it's funny cause I'm looking at the schedule, uh, what I'm going to play the rest of this fall. And most of them are three to four weeks and a week off. Cause I think that's probably about the right amount, but, um, it almost seems a little bit soft now from the corn fairy days where you'd play 13 or 14 weeks in a row. Now, if you take if you take some time off and not like a week, but if you if you have two to three weeks and then you come back, is your first tournament kind of do you feel like that's you're a little rusty or or do you make sure you're pretty well prepared going into that or or do you find out do you feel like you hit your groove in that second, third, fourth event? Yeah, for sure. I've always felt like when I come back, you know, from two weeks off that that first day or two you're just a little bit off, not quite used to that competitive part of, you know, having to hold all the four or five footers, that sort of stuff that yeah. you're raking back at home in some games. Um, so it's just, a, it just takes you a little while. It's always different to get back into it. Um, it was funny because I took two weeks off right before Byron Nelson here in May in the PGA Championship. And that was the first time that I've really come back. I felt great, fresh. You know, I felt like it had been a long time since I had played. Um, but I felt like my game was pretty sharp right from the get-go. So um, I guess I guess what I'd be trying to say with it all is just every situation is a little bit different, so there's not really a good way to, to put it. And it's almost one of the challenges of professional golf, you know, because you're 
managing yourself and trying to figure out what's best for you. And there's, there's really not one good way to look at it. You know, um, everybody's a little bit different and every situation is unique. Yeah. So you mentioned they're handing out million dollar paychecks every week on the PJ tour. They're handing out $4 million paychecks every week <laughs> at live. Uh, have you, have you received a live offer? All right, before we hear about Tom and his live offer, do want to remind everybody to check out The Nut Hut. The Nut Hut is our premium Discord server. It is the only thing we charge the listeners for. It's $10 a month or $90 a year. If you're serious about DFS, if you're serious about betting on golf or really any sport because there's a thread and there's really sharp people in the Discord server for any sport, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, UFC. We even have a disc golf thread in there for gambling on disc golf. Who knew you could do that? But it's also the home of our every Wednesday night live chat with me, with Pat, a couple other members of the gang, talking DFS golf, talking golf betting before they tee it up on Thursday every single week. It's an incredible community we've built over there, now 700 plus strong, and it goes year round. It's 24-7. There's activity in there. It's the best place to be. Discord can be a little intimidating if you've never been on there before, but we promise we can show you how to figure it out. And really, once you get in there, you can, you can get it done. There's a link in the description of this podcast. You can click on that link, go to tourjunkies.com, sign up for the Nut Hut, and then uh, you'll, you'll be in Discord and you'll be among the best community in golf, we promise you. And if you, don't, if you try it and you don't like it, you can get your money back and cancel at any time. But we'd encourage you to get in there, dip your toe in the water, and join our community. We're making a lot of friends in there. We're having a lot of laughs in there, and we're making money. All right. So that's the Nut Hut and the Discord server. That's the last interruption for this podcast. Let's get back to Tom Hoagie. Yeah, I was uh, kind of dealing with that earlier this year. I would say in about April when, man, things were really weird. You know, it was after yeah. Phil had kind of talked with the media, um, and nobody really knew where anything stood. And, and the hardest part that I was having is that. I went on tour for the first time this year. I've got in majors. I've got in a lot of tournaments, you know, that I've always wanted to play. Maui, the Tournament of Champions. Um, and I just don't know that I was ready to be done playing those tournaments. Um, so I ultimately decided to stay, kind of stay put where I'm at on the PGA Tour. Um, just because, I've, always, like I said, I've always wanted to play these big tournaments that I've now qualified for for the first time. And um I certainly get what guys are saying about playing less, you know, like I said, I played 33 weeks last year, but I often wonder, you know, if I'm on the couch here for a week or two, I'm kind of itching to get back out and ready to go do something again. So I don't know that would be the best situation for me that, um, that I'm always kind of, kind of need that little competitive edge. You know, you're kind of always getting ready for the next tournament, that sort of stuff and ready to get back out there and compete. And I think I would miss that too much playing the live. So this is my last live question. So, you know, if you look at the every all the players in live, right? You've got PGA Tour, live, DP World Tour, all these worldwide tours. How how do you see it? What what would have to play out for those tours, the players, the caddies, and the fans like like us who who love watching golf every week and you know are very highly engaged in it? What has to happen in your opinion for all of those parties to feel like they've won? That they, that they can coexist because obviously right now that's not happening. And my fear is that the fans are going to suffer if we have fragmented tours. What in your yeah. mind, what do you think is the solution to that? I mean, really the only way that you have a solution is if there's some way that the PGA tour and live work together, which I don't really know that day's ever going to come unless uh, it's kind of forced by the course. But yeah, like you said, it's just, 
it's just such a bad deal for fans for the game of golf for for everything that the best players are now going to be split you know between europe the pga tour and live i mean they're kind of all over the place and i guess that's why you have the majors to bring everybody together but um you know it's it's just a tough deal you know you almost hope that the pga tour would have come out with this idea for the you know the 12 to 14 bigger events like they've talked about um a couple of years earlier because i feel like he could have probably kept a lot more guys you know with those elevated events but it's just a tough situation and and i think that it's going to have to play out in court more than anything and kind of see how see how things go from there yep all right good stuff that's all the business the the golf stuff now <laughs> now we're going to go into what we call the native area um we don't uh, call it the the e9 or emergency nine because like six shows call it that uh, and it's not yeah. always it's not always nine questions we call it the native area always have because we see on the shot tracker app sometimes you guys hit it in the native area and you know we don't know what that means you know you may not even know what that means is it rocky is it fescue is it grass are we good are we on the car path we don't know so, <laughs> so you just don't know what you're going to get in the native area uh questions about all, right. all, all kind of stuff all right so I'm, this is kind of a leading question here tom what's something that you are known for by those on the inside the players and caddies on the pga tour Well, the obvious answer is gambling, I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah. your, 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 brother said, your brother said Saturday and Sunday, lots of checking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> checking scores, yeah, baby. That's, checking uh, scores. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, <laughs> TCU's playing. I have my phone out all the time. Almost watching play-by-play, I would say. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would kind of go in the sports betting phase, kind of hit and miss it going cycles you know a few years i'll take it off a few years i'll be be on just about every game out there but um i don't know i, I love college football and nfl football so it's a fun time of year and we needed to get here fast because it's uh it's a little bit slow this summer here but um yeah. for those of you that can't bet on golf like yourself it's very slow right yeah uh, we're sitting yeah, here exactly. pounding the drum going guys golf is year round like Let's do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. Okay, more on that in a little bit. Uh, your favorite guys to get paired up with on tour? Who are your buddies? Mm. Who are your bros out there? Well, I would say anybody that plays fast, first of all. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt Effrey was a good friend of mine. We played a lot of practice rounds together. Um, it sucked that he has, hasn't had full status uh, here this year because we've missed out on that but um i don't know i guess some of the some of those loose cannons that like to gamble like i do uh would be some of my better friends what's the what's the game like what's the side what's the action you got going on in practice rounds what do you guys normally play and do you have like a, a partner that you really like gel with like his and brownie or i, I know just beat beat anybody no i mean it kind of started with matt uh i think it was at bay hill one year which i was kind of I guess I was the fish getting roped in into a place that Matt's won twice trying <laughs> yeah. to bet against him there. But it just started off as, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And uh, once you're closed out, you play for like half. But um, COVID kind of hit them and that slowed it down. And coming out of that, he had the great idea that he wanted to play auto one downs um, where, each, where each hole within each bet would be worth whatever dollar amount just say a hundred dollars now so if you lost three two one it was 300 200 100 um 
So those games got pretty wild pretty fast, and they could generally only be nine holes because it was a lot, ninth hole would be worth a lot of money with Matt, Matt out there. Um, he liked to hit driver on every hole, too, in the practice rounds, um, whether there was space for it or not. So there weren't many holes halved because he was going to make either birdie or, or a double or a X funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, Matt's a funny guy. He follows us a little bit. On We follow him. He's doing some Oh, he's the best. He's... I consider myself pretty boring other than the gambling stuff. And, and Matt is very entertaining in practice rounds. He's always got something going on. So it's always fun to, uh, fun to be out with him. Love it. What about, um, have you ever won so much cash at a casino that you had to carry it around in your golf bag or make some sort of mass deposit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, man, it's been a while since I've had that. Uh, there were a few times I had a few, few good runs. Uh, nothing crazy, you know, when 15, 20 grand or something, but, uh, we'd be in the cities and I didn't trust the hotels. So he put it in the golf bag and, uh, those were good times. Cause I'd be sure to tell the cat, I'm like, all right, the bag is not leaving your site. If you're going to the porta potty, the bag's going with you. So, uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, you know, Oakmont for the U S open the one year in 2016, I had a nice run and we kept having rain delays. So I kept having to take the cash in and out of the bag as we go back into the into the locker room for the rain delay but uh doing that in front of the galleries is always interesting but that's, that's a good hilarious. problem to have i wish that was uh, a little more frequent these days that's hilarious all right so obviously you're a documented uh craps craps player is that pretty much it for you i mean uh, is, is that like so when you're walking into a casino that's the that's the plan of attack is we're hitting the craps table right yeah i think the craps is where i have the most fun i i do play blackjack as well yeah. um Kind of a change of pace, I would say a little bit. When I need to sit down after I've been standing at the craps table for a few hours, it's time for blackjack. But you, um, you pass. I would no say I enjoy. Guy? What's that? Your pass line or no pass line guy? Uh, I actually don't even play the pass line. I just oh. place the point after it comes out. Kind of okay. What I would bet on the pass line. There's a few different reasons for it, but um, you play any of that stuff in the middle. After, so, so the whole story has come out that I that I taught Jordan Speed yep. how to play craps. Too. That's their favorite one that they love. <laughs> and really, it wasn't even that I taught him how to play necessarily. It's just that when a point's on four or ten, and uh, you know if you're on the pass line, it's three times odds, which it is in most places three, four, five. You're actually getting paid less to make a pass line bet with full odds versus just placing it or buying it so that's all i was trying to explain to jordan there is that there was a more efficient way to bet for him that was kind of the story behind the whole jordan spieth deal but um i generally just place you know even numbers if i'm kind of sticking to my systems of four six eight ten and uh the four and ten i love because you get paid two to one so you can press those a little bit faster and try to try to make the lights flicker there in the casino so you don't play any of the trash in the middle no, I generally avoid all that, that unless unless things are going real well and we can take a shot at them a little bit. Yeah, you got to stay away from that stuff. All right, so obviously you're not allowed, but I'm interested to hear from a tour player's perspective and a sports better. If you were handicapping golf in a golf tournament, let's just talk about this week at the Rocket Mortgage. How would you approach it? Like j just big overall approach. Um, I think I would look at recent four more than anything. So I think that's very important. Um, what do you consider recent form? Because that's also a debate. Probably the last three to four starts, how guys are playing. 
Um, and I know that doesn't cover a lot, but I guess you'd have to go there. You'd have to go a little bit of like course history and not necessarily the golf course you're at, but other golf courses that are similar style to, uh, you know, where they're playing. Um, I think where they at uh, golf club in Detroit is at a Donald Ross. Yep. So, you know, there's kind of Donald Ross golf courses, that sort of stuff and what fits, but I don't know. It just seems like guys win out of nowhere. I mean, Kind of like you said about myself, I had missed six cuts in a row and go to finish fourth and felt like I had a good chance to win that golf tournament yesterday. Yeah. That you just you see it so many times that guys have missed so many cuts in a row and they go win. So yep. I don't know. I guess that that completely goes against uh, everything I just said there with recent <laughs> I know, history, dude, it's, but um, it's so hard. Tell us about the Eddie George bet. Have you ever told that story on anything? I don't know that I have, and that was a long time ago, so I'm going to have to try to remember all the specifics. I want to say that was like 2014 or 15. Um, it was for a Corn Ferry Finals event up in uh, Columbus, Ohio, obviously. And Ohio State always had a, kind of their own pro-am off-site. And I got paired with Eddie, which was awesome. Um, his golf games probably needs a little bit of work. <laughs> but, man, that guy is such a big guy. It was pretty cool just to just to see the size of them kind of up close in person. But we were riding a cart the whole day. TCU was going to play Minnesota. I think we had a home and home with them. So I can't remember if that was the first year or second year of the, of the game, but uh, basically it progressed. You know, he's talking all the big 10 shit and, you know, being a TCU guy, I'm not too fond of the big 10, you know, <laughs> TCU had a great team and got screwed out of the playoffs or one year when uh, Ohio state was let in and they, they won the national championships. There was a lot of, a lot going off of that, but um, I'm trying to think how it even progressed somehow. So if TCU won, Eddie was going to have to take a picture in TCU gear and, and tweet it out and all that. I think if Minnesota had won, which I don't even remember what I threw out there. I think it was to wear an Eddie George Jersey going up the 16th hole at Scottsdale one year. Which at that point was probably my rookie year on tour. Like I didn't even know that I wouldn't be getting in Scottsdale for a number of years because it's so hard to get in there. But um, there was about a zero percent chance Minnesota was going to win that game, so it was a pretty pretty <laughs> safe bet. And uh, I'll give Eddie credit; he was a great sport. He he followed up. We sent him got the TCU athletics department to send him some gear, and he took a picture of it all and, and tweeted it out. So uh, it was pretty cool. You you, you got to get the tweet frame. Tom, do you you should get it. Frank. Yeah, they do that. You need to do. Yeah, that. for That'd sure. Pretty cool. Uh, have them sign it. Yeah. Um. All right, a few more quick ones, and then I want to get into some football stuff real quick. Um, if you had to, if you had to have another PGA Tour player caddy for you for a season, who would it be and why? Harold's a good friend of mine, and it would be fun to have him caddy, just because you never know what the hell he's going to say next, and you'd always be laughing out there in the golf course. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. Talking about HV three, HV three. Yeah, I just talked to him on uh, on Friday. Oh man, he's great. But uh, you guys might get is, in trouble. He's funny. He's fun to be around. That's for sure. It'll be <laughs> it'll be a very light mood in the golf course all the time. But I'm not sure if that would be the best way for me to operate. Um. So he'd be the fun option. Who'd be the one that you feel like, all right, we could we could get some stuff done. We actually we we kind of had to fill a question out like this for a survey for the President's Cup, and I put down uh, Maverick McNeely. I feel like he's a very smart guy, and he's on the quiet end, so you know it fit well with me. I'm kind of quiet on the golf course as well, and it'd be a good match. And kind of just go do our own thing, and you 
I mean, as intelligent as he is, you, you trust the advice that he gives you. That's interesting. So they're sending you a questionnaire with like some weird, like kind of odd <laughs> questions on it. What are, you remember any other weird ones? Yeah, they have me do a survey. I've done a few of them now for the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. But it's just sort of who do you think you'd match up well with as far as partners and, and how your personalities match up and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. I want to look at, speaking of sports fans and tiers, um, I'd like to look at some over-under win totals for some college football. Oh, boy. You down with that? Okay. Let's see if we let's can do it. Let's see if we can share the screen here. All right. So that's so hard right now, though, with all the transfer shit going on. I mean, you can't I, I, keep up with who's got that who's is, got what. That is very true. I figured we'd stick to the Big Twelve, since obviously you're probably pretty familiar with that. Okay. So I have shed a tear as a sports fan, and most recently, me and Pat went to the national title game in Indy, where our beloved Georgia Bulldogs finally got it done. And when it happened, when 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 the interception went down, like we just like uncontrollably sobbed, um, like a lot of people <laughs> in that stadium. So uh, I want to talk a little, maybe let's do some Big 12. You name the team. I'll find the team here, and we'll look at their – this is on FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll look at their, their over-under totals, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So you, you name the team, Big 12 or SEC, and we'll go find them. Well, my favorite one to always start with is Kansas because they, they're usually they like suck. one game if they'll win or not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think well, it's we got prob- Kansas yep. this year. Over-under two and a half, baby. Wow, two and a half. I mean, they've got to have an FCS game in there right off the bat. They should win. They're a one. Let's see. But I would take the I would take the under on Kansas every year. They've got a Tennessee Tech, a Duke. Oh, you know what? Ooh, Tom, this is bad. Tom, I'm looking on CBS right now, and whoever wrote this thinks that their wins come a Tennessee Tech and Duke, and then they have TCU as the possible third. No chance. We're going twelve and zero. All right, who's your next team? <laughs> so you're taking the over/under. What'd you say? I forgot. I take the under on Kansas the every under. year. I mean, I feel like I feel like you know it's kind of like if you took Alabama or the Patriots over every year. It's just one of those you've got a good shot in the long run making money on the under every year. I like it. All right, who's your next team? What are we doing? Well, let's see what the Horn Frogs got. Check out. I've TCU. got suckered into the Horn Frogs over seven and a half the last two years, and uh, oh, expensive. Got a little value here, six and a half. God, I probably shouldn't have looked because now that's going to bait me into taking <laughs> that again. That's the over. You um, can't take the under as Tom Hoagie on you know live on the show or public on the show. You, so the over is ha- is happening. But you did say, yeah, you for sure. Seven. I mean, you're getting a hook. We got a new coach. Is my only question mark? We've got so much talent. I mean. If they got us losing to Kansas, we got some serious issues, though. Well, that that was just one idiot's prediction, and it was like the barely like this one could put them over the yeah. two. All right, who are we going next? Where are we what's, going next? Uh, what's Oklahoma at? You're really t- you're going to test my uh, my alphabetical order prowess here. Uh, okay. <laughs> Oklahoma, here we go. Let's see, Oklahoma over under eight and a half. Wow, that seems low. I mean, that's. I haven't really looked. I mean, I guess they had their whole team leave pretty much after Lincoln Riley jumped out of town. They do, you know, on that same CBS article, they've got over under a nine and a half, uh, and they they're but they're picking um, the under. So this is kind of a weird line here between FanDuel and whatever CBS is using. I don't know anything about. I don't follow anything. I'm just curious. What's what's Oklahoma State right below them? Yeah, let's look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's got to be the favorite in the conference. Eight and a half. Both eight and a half. That's surprising. I would take Oklahoma State to win more games than Oklahoma this year, but um, Ooh, juicy. 
I guess they're expecting a lot of parity in the Big 12 this year, which isn't good for us to uh, yeah. try to make a college playoff spot. Yeah. All right, so what do we think? We think over on Oklahoma State? I go over Oklahoma State, and I would probably go over for Oklahoma as Just well. Just because that eight and a half is good. All right, who, where are we going next? What, one last Big 12. We got to look at Texas. Yep. I mean, yep. highest payroll in football. <laughs> and that includes the NFL, right? Yeah, exactly. Over under eight and a half for Texas. Let's see what this dumb season under is. under all day long. Uh, dude, Texas is always so freaking overrated. God, I hate it. They're then, back. I saw that dumb quarterback. They were somebody was like drooling over on Twitter the other day too, uh, with this like mullet cut and um, God, they're just so Quinn Ewers. They're so hopeless. Is that who it was? I don't know. He was. He's their latest highly paid uh, quarterback. They got. <laughs> so we're taking the under. At eight and a half. You want to, all right, any SEC teams? Yeah, fire it up. See what we got. Let's, let's go. What's, what's Bama at? Yeah, let's, let's go straight to the top with Bama. Um, ooh, 10 and a half. Minus 280. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you almost have to take the under just for just some value. Just because of the value. Yeah. Win every game again. I mean, I don't know who they're going to. Let's see. Uh, let's see. See, the is. SEC is so hard because you really have to look at their schedules because you don't know who they're playing. Uh, maybe, this is a, maybe this is a stay away. Maybe we just stay away from this one. <laughs> I mean, because the over is the play, but minus 280, that's not sexy at all. Unless we're building yeah. like a parlay. Was, what, what do they got for Georgia this year? We could do the parlay. We could do that. Uh, let's see. Let's look at the dogs. This is going to be uh, same number, but different. Wow. Minus 250 there. I mean, I, listen. Who's Georgia got on the schedule? I, I, am, I am a very – I do not bet anything Georgia. We have Oregon, <laughs> we have Oregon week one, um, which scares me. We have South Carolina. We have Missouri, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Tech. 12-0. If we get, honestly, like, if we can get past Oregon, I feel really good. Um, Should beat everybody, yeah. I mean, Florida obviously scares us every year. Tennessee's getting stronger. I think Tennessee's an interesting, uh, an interesting spot. But honestly, if we can get past, you know, Oregon. I mean, so the play is obviously we're going we're gonna to click the over. But still, the value yeah. sucks. Anybody else in the SEC we want to look at? Not that I can think of. I- I'm curious now at Tennessee's line. Let's look at Tennessee, and then we'll wrap it up here. Because they're just uh, – they're, they're, I'm going to say we got to look at Vanderbilt, too. Who's going to have more wins, Vanderbilt or Kansas? Or Kansas? <laughs> Tennessee is at the over is seven, or seven and a half, over under seven and a half. Um, you got to take the over there, right? They came on pretty strong in the last year. I would think they would. They're going to lose to Georgia, Bama, and LSU. They're kind of they're right there with Texas, though. Everybody's been talking about Tennessee every year since uh, Bama yeah, that is left. True. They're, they're back. That is true. All right, who was the one you said to look at? Oh, Vandy. Uh, let's look at Vandy. Poor Vandy. Two and a half, just like the, just wow. like the, the Kansas. That would be a good, a good bet, Kansas versus Vandy. But I think you got to take the under on both and just ride. Worst you're going to do is split. Yeah, we're, this is what a terrible. Let's see what this. Uh, oh, they won't let us parlay any of these. Okay. Well, <laughs> we've, got, we've got Tom Hoagie's. We've got Tom Hoagie's uh, the fifteen team parlay. <laughs> yeah, we got the. Uh, that's my brother. That's my brother that handles those. He can handle the. Is parlays. that what he does? I can't win one game, but he. Can, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Tom. We appreciate it. Is there anything going on for you that people out there could support or uh, get behind, other than just rooting for you every week on the PJ Tour? 
yeah, not a lot. Just, uh, yeah, just, just don't, just don't show up and yell at me that you've been betting on me that week. That's, uh, that's, that's been everybody's favorite thing to do out on the course. And, uh, it's a laugh at all the players that's for sure dude let me just say for the record uh we've said this many times we do not condone uh that whatsoever it's really stupid we, we it makes us look bad it makes the, it makes you guys and others like hesitant to come on shows like ours it's very dumb i i freaking hate it if i hear people do it at a tournament i'm at i'll say something but uh it, it's really stupid so i just said that yesterday we were walking off the ninth tee and a guy was yelling at tony um that he picked him in fantasy this week and I was like, well, Tony, you've got to start trying now. Yeah. I mean, I know you haven't really cared at all this week, but now he's got you on fantasy. I mean, forget it. Forget you your 11 kids on the playground over here. <laughs> let's, let's do it for, for this, do it for this fat schmuck who, you know, puts you in a $10 lineup. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause we, at Mayakoba every year, the last few years we've stayed uh, at Banyan tree. They've got a great Thai restaurant. It was pretty expensive in there. And every night that my wife and I have been eating, Tony's been there with his six or seven kids, wherever he's got. And I'm like, man, I feel bad because you got to finish like third here in order to break even this week. So uh, I guess it's a good thing he came through That's yesterday. Funny. That's funny. Good for him. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he's 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 hanging in there. Hopefully, you know. Well, I'm sure yeah. he's I'm sure he's he's you know sitting there counting on that wire on Wednesday to hit so he can feed the, the children. <laughs> and I think they eat good too. I've been to a Tony Foundation Tony Finau Foundation. Uh, event like those people they make some good food you know they they, they eat yeah his family makes some great and they're food. all big i mean they're all big people they're they can all eat tall a lot. and yeah massive yeah. they all like bouncers all his cousins and brothers look like bouncers <laughs> and uh yeah they're they're a good time though uh all right man thanks for being on the tour junkies podcast we will see you uh out on the road and uh yeah have you awesome. on again one of these days perfect thank you